and that song prepares us for the preaching of the Word of God, and especially as we go to John chapter 14, and I'm preaching tonight on this subject, Jesus Comforts to the Disciples. I want you to have your Bibles open there to John chapter 14. I'm going to give you several single words that you can write beside particular verses as we go through this chapter tonight in the message, Jesus Comforts to his disciples. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word tonight. It is the power of your word that changes lives. And Lord, if we listen, we will not only be enlightened, our life will be improved. We'll receive more of the light and life of your word. And I ask that you would fill me with your spirit as I preach your word tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. These verses that we read this evening are wonderful words of comfort. They are a blessing at any time of life, but they are a blessing especially in times of difficulty and grieving. They would be among the first used verses in a funeral. And I have used these verses many, many times to bring comfort in times of a a funeral, in the times of grieving, in times of counseling with folks going through very difficult circumstances. There are three chapters of the Lord's comforts, and they're intertwined with instruction as all of his comforts are connected to an instruction, and as we obey his instruction, comfort is the result of that obedience. Did you get what I just said? Uh, he gave us instruction and he gave us comforts and those uh, comforts are connected to obedience to his instruction. All of these in chapter 14, 15, and 16 are a blessing. Now, when you look at who these words of comfort are written to, it adds a context that increases the value of the comfort. In addition to looking at who these words of comfort are written to, when you look at when they are given, uh, that context adds even more value to the meaning. In fact, when he read those verses, John 14, 1 through 6, uh, some of you were saying out of memory those verses. It may be some of the most quoted verses that I would use in a sermon. And uh, when you add to that specifically who they were written to and when or what time in history they were written, it adds great value that context does uh, to the comfort. Uh, these words were not given specifically to the weak at heart. They were given to the disciples. It's important to understand that. Uh, these words are not given to the unbelievers. Uh, unbelievers can take them, but how sad it is to hold a promise in your hand that you can't claim in your heart unless you receive him as Savior. But they're not written to unbelievers. Uh, these words are not given to the fringe crowd of followers that would come for a miracle but wouldn't stay for the message. This was not written to the crowd that would come for the fish and the bread but they wouldn't stay for the sermon that Jesus would give. 
These words of comfort are given to the disciples of the Lord Jesus, not just any of the many disciples, but given to the twelve. Thomas asked a question in the midst of these verses, and so these, these words of comfort are given to the disciples. These men would eventually die for the cause of Christ. They would die because they were preachers of the gospel of Jesus, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what they would die for. Uh, these men, they gave their very lives, the rest of their lives, for uh, the advancement of the cause of Christ. Now, I'm glad that these words are used in any difficult situation, but when I understand who they were given to, uh, we, uh, we uh, understand a greater value of these words. Then when you look at when they were given, you'd see the disciples were facing not only a culture, but they were facing a government that would be hostile toward them. These men would be hated among uh, the many in their day. Now, not everyone would be hated. And I'm, I'm, I'm making sure you get the context because we miss the value of the comfort when we miss the context of how it is given. Not everyone would be hated. Just the disciples of Jesus, those that were given to further the message of Christ. In fact, if you'll look at the last words of John chapter 16, Jesus is very plain speaking to his disciples as he most often is. But he says in John 16, 33, These things have I, I have spoken unto you uh, that in me you might have peace. Notice these words. In the world ye shall have tribulation. So he's giving them comfort at a time in history, a time in life that they would need comfort because they would face it tribulation. Now he goes on to say, I want you to be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And tonight I want us to see these comforts that help us to overcome the circumstances that we face today. I draw your attention to this fact because America is quickly headed in a direction tonight that is hostile toward not only the gospel, but the people of God. We live in a day where the leaders of our nation, they love religion, they love the tolerance of sin, they love the equality of wickedness, fairness, in dishonesty, they live in a world of make-believe where they make the things up they believe in. We live in a world of deceit and of deception. They do not like truth. They do not like facts. They don't like the Bible. They don't like honesty. They don't like transparency. And they're even teaching today that history didn't happen. They just, they just taking the book and throwing it away. He said, we don't believe that. That didn't happen. And they find someone in every era of time that was known for their wickedness and they champion that person for their stand in wickedness. Are you with me? 
and they try to tell us, those that gave us the freedom that we enjoy in America tonight, were bad people. If these things continue as they are today, the government using agencies as, well, as weapons against freedom of speech, and it'll not be long until the church will be the target of persecution in America. They've turned our schools into humanistic worship centers for self. They've turned the military into a training ground to promote and protect the most immoral and wicked behaviors that can be imagined. I don't know about you, but it concerns me a little bit that they add 80,000 plus IRS agents. When you calculate that and look how many per state, I may have to have an IRS agent to help me find money to fill up my lawnmower with gas. You see, when you tell this culture they can't murder, they're unwanted. And they can't steal what doesn't belong to them. They respond by burning buildings, destroying property and killing the innocent, not only the innocent unborn, but it's nearly every day that I get a notice that a police officer has been shot and killed. And yet when the truth of the word of God is cursed, the song or speech, they use the freedom of speech to cover that behavior. We're in a troubled time. Paul lived and died at a time in history where you could promote any filth of wickedness that I can't imagine. But preaching the gospel landed him in prison and cost him his life. It was, you see, it was in that culture that he gave these comforts. These are not sweet means. Friend, they are ropes to hold on to. For what you and I are soon to face I'm telling you what we are soon to face in our world if we don't see a revolution of some sort. It was to these disciples in this troubled time that the comforts of John 14, 15, and 16 were given. They're preserved for us. They're preserved for us. And so I want to give you some comforts tonight in the times of trouble as we have entered into the days of Noah. You say, preacher, have you given up on revival? I won't give up on revival until they have my funeral. I believe in the power of revival. I believe in that. I'm not too sure that Americans want revival, spiritual revival. I know they want an economic revival. I'm not too sure that we want a spiritual revival. Too many Christians that are able bodies sitting at home tonight when they ought to be at the house of God. Too many able bodied people sitting at home on a Wednesday night that ought to be at prayer meeting. And it's sad that folks are willing to walk the streets and knock doors for their candidate, but not willing to walk the streets and knock doors for Jesus. In that troubled time, Jesus telling them, I'm leaving you, I'm going back to the Father. You're going to need some comforts to hold on to. I'll give them to you. First of all, the person of Christ. He said in verse number one, you believe in God, believe also 
in me. I'm glad that Jesus is real. I'm glad that Jesus is not a phantom. He's not an imagination. He's not a made-up fairy tale figure. But Jesus Christ is real. I'm thankful tonight that as the Lord Jesus came to this earth because God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's not an imagination. It was real that Christ died on the cross of Calvary. It is a real event in history that Christ, after those three days, arose from the grave. Jesus is telling them, I'm real. First of all, the person of Christ is a comfort in a changing world and a difficult situation. I'm glad that I can talk to him. I talked to him several times today. I talked to him early this morning as I walked up and down every aisle and around every chair and in every classroom and in the nursery this morning. As I walked around this building and on this property and I praised God for what he has done and I praised him for answered prayer and I thanked him for his goodness. I'm glad I was not speaking into the wind or speaking into the air. I was not holding on to an imagination. My Savior is real. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. I want you to write down another word beside verse number two. I have a place. In my Father's house are many mansions. Hey folks, heaven is real. Heaven is a real place. We could go to Revelation chapter 20 and 21 and we could read about the streets that are in heaven. We could read about the walls of jasper and the gates of pearl. We could read about the river of life. You ought to read about it. That's where we're moving to. I'm glad tonight that the place of heaven is real. I'm glad this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures aren't laid up here. Uh, that What treasure I have here, uh, uh, rust and moth and uh, corrupts and thieves can break through and steal. Uh, ah, but dear friend, my treasure that's laid up in heaven, it is secured by the power and promise and presence of God. And I'm glad tonight I have a place in heaven. That's a comfort to hold on to. Too many Christians live for this life. And I'm telling you, we ought to live every day of life that God gives us. But understand, life doesn't end on this earth. Life is for all eternity. And I need to live this portion of life with eternal life in view. Heaven is a real place. Aren't you glad our loved ones are in heaven? Aren't you glad we'll see them again? Can you imagine the grand reunion every week as I, I come into the airport or go out and you see uh, sad and happy. You see folks that are departing. And then you, you, you can tell, uh, you see the folks that are seeing one another for the first time uh, in a few weeks or in some time. What a glad reunion to see that. Every time I see it, I think one of these days I'm going to walk into that place I'm going to walk into that Jerusalem. I'm going to walk into that place called heaven. I'm going to walk down the streets of gold. I remember as a teenager wearing first pair of leather basketball shoes. They weren't even mine. Somebody else on the team. And uh, I told him, I said, you're not going to get to play. You might as well let me wear those shoes. <laughs> I couldn't play because I kept looking at my shoes. 
Hey, friend, when I get to heaven, it won't be shoes I'll be looking at. I'll be looking at the streets of gold and the walls of jasper and the gates of pearl. And can you imagine when we get to meet our loved ones? Can you imagine when we get to see those that have gone before? Can you imagine then when we get to see our Savior face to face? Fanny Crosby wrote that wonderful song, Then I Shall Know Him, and his smile will be the first to welcome me. All oh, friend, take comfort. Fox News and, and whatever the other ones are, you don't find any comfort there. You find a, a, a what could be and how the worst case scenario. I'm glad to pick up a book and find not the best case scenario, but find the best life. I have the promises and comfort of the Holy Spirit. I have the comfort of God that he gives to me and he tells the disciples, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You have the person of Christ. You have the place of heaven. Verse number number two, uh, write down the word prepared. He's prepared a mansion for me. Now if he prepared it for me, I imagine the things I like will be there. The things I'll, I don't, I don't know everything. I don't know how I'll behave in heaven. I, I, I don't know how much, I don't know how much I'm going to be like I, I am now. The Bible says they are known as, we'll know them as they were known. Uh, they recognized those that had been in heaven. They recognized Elijah and, and uh, Moses. They recognized them. I don't know everything about heaven, but I know he's prepared a home in heaven. I give number Number four, beside verse number three, write down the word promise. I will come again. Well, we could stay right here and shout a while, could we? Hey, Jesus is coming again. Do you know it? Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. I was preaching not long ago in a conference, and a preacher that studies prophecy and history and studies the Bible is a tremendous preacher. And he was going through prophecies of the Old Testament and prophecies of the New Testament. And he said, I can't set a time, I can't set a day, but as I understand, as a, thousand, a day is as a thousand years with the Lord. And we look at the 6,000 years, and we're at 6,022 years. And, uh, and, and he just went through a lot of explanation. And he said, I believe that the Lord Jesus could come between the next three months and 32 months. And, and, and he, he preached for an hour and a half. And boy, I, I was amazed at all of the prophecy and all the scripture. A preacher said to me, he said, now do you believe that? I said, friend, I believe he could come today. I'll take today, three months, 32 months, but I'll tell you what, I don't know when, but I know he's coming again. He's my blessed hope. He's coming again. He said to the disciples, in this world, you'll have tribulation. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And he tells them, he said, I'll come again. I love to read those words again and again. In Acts chapter 1, they're standing there. And all of a sudden, the Lord Jesus ascends. And they're they're standing there gazing. I would have been too. I'd have been standing there gazing. I mean, all of a sudden, Jesus has gone up into heaven. But they said, why stand you here gazing? The same Jesus that you've seen go shall so come in like manner. 
He said, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He said, uh, he's coming again. I'm glad tonight I can hold on to that promise. I'm glad tonight I can hold on to that comfort. Jesus is coming again. And so we have the person. We have the place. We have the preparation. We have the promise. We have the provision for our home in heaven. Verse number 6, we have the provision. Uh, Thomas asked the question. Now, I want you to think about this. Thomas asked the question. We're not talking about somebody that's never been with Jesus and somebody that's just learning about Jesus. Thomas is with Jesus, and he asks the simplest question, but I'm sort of glad he does. He said, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? I love what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm glad that's the way because I know him. I'm glad he's the way. And I'm glad it doesn't require a certain amount of money and a certain amount of works and how sad it is to see those. I, I, I was sent a video today, a video, and I, I don't know who sent it. And it was a Brett Favre, and he was advertising a new app on your phone. And it, it was a, a Catholic app, Catholicism, and it said you'll find great hope. And I watched a little bit of it. I didn't find any hope. I don't know how many prayers they have to pray to get assurance. I've never found anybody that can know for sure. But I'm glad tonight that book right there, he told me how. As he told Thomas, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's not through the church. It's through Jesus. It's not through your finances. It's through Jesus. It's not through your good works. It's through Jesus. And the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And anybody can know Christ as Savior. And I'm comforted tonight to know that salvation is is simple and he's provided a way. I love the comfort of, of, of the perception that's given verses 7 through 11. And he says, and I'll not read all of the verses because I've got 20 more to go here. Uh, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. It is important that you understand and believe in the deity of Christ. Though Christ represented the Father, he was God in the flesh. And you find in 1 John chapter 5 as the Father gave record of the Son. And he said that his Son is the way. And if you're going to see the Father, you have to come through the Son. These folks that think they can pray to a tree or pray to a rock and get to God. You can't get to God through a rock or a tree or a prayer. You get to God through his Son, Jesus Christ. I believe in the deity of Christ. I believe that John chapter 1 tells tells us that in the beginning we have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. And that word was made flesh in John chapter 1 and dwelt among us. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He's not just a representation of God. I get frustrated to hear folks talk about uh, the equality of the Pope with Christ. Uh, the Pope is a man. Uh, the Pope is a sinner. Jesus was not just a man. He was God in the flesh. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Then he gave a pattern. Now, I like this. This is a great comfort to me. In verse number 12, he said this. Verily, verily, I send you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. Now, what comforts me about this is he set an example of how I can live a life 
pleasing to him. You know, when you work for someone, you want to know what to do. You want to please the boss. You want to know what the boss wants and how he wants it done. I want to know what God wants. I want to know how he wants it done. And Jesus came and he set the example. He set the pattern. That's a great comfort to me. When I get to heaven, I can hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He set the pattern. That's a comfort. I don't have to worry and wonder, am I doing the right thing? I know every time I give the gospel, I'm doing the right thing. Every time I win somebody to Christ, I'm doing the right thing. Every time I help someone to know Christ as Savior, I'm doing the right thing because of the comfort of the pattern that was set by the Lord Jesus. Here's another comfort he gave the disciples. Verses 13 and 14. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, and that is prayer. Aren't you glad you can talk to the Father? Aren't you glad you can talk to the Son? What a comfort it is uh, to talk to the Heavenly Father. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name. I love those words. And I love the power of asking in His name. When I go to the Father, I come to you in the name of your Son. You see, Jesus is my advocate. Jesus is my Redeemer. Jesus is the lover of my soul. Jesus is the one that paid my sin debt. So I go to God in prayer in the name of his son. Have you ever said to a brother or sister, we're supposed to do this, and the brother or sister said, who said? And you said, mom said, oh. Then that means get it done. But if a brother tells a brother to do something and he said, who said? And he says, I said. Do it yourself. But if you say, who said? And the answer is, mom said. We better get it done. I'm glad I get to go to God. Not my will. It's his will. He said to the disciples, you're going to have a, you're going to have a difficult culture. You're going to have a difficult government. And they did. As Paul went town to town, he was oftentimes thrown in prison. He was beaten, left in the street once for dead. And that's what he faced. Ah, but dear, prison, uh, dear friend, they could shut him up in prison, but they couldn't keep him from praying. And the Holy Spirit of God gave him the wonderful words of the Word of God that he penned in those prison cells that are holding my hand tonight. Thank God for the privilege of prayer. You can pray at church, but you can also pray at 2 o'clock in the morning. You can pray at church, but you can also pray in the hospital. You can pray at church. You can also pray beside uh, the road uh, when you've had an accident, when you've faced a difficulty. Oh, dear friend. And thank God for the comfort of prayer. Then I have a way to please him. Verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, a lot of folks talk about loving him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You talk talks and you walk talks, but you walk talks louder than you talk talks. And that's what he's telling us here. If you love me, don't just sing it. Don't just say it, obey me. And they did. Look at verse number 16, and you can write down the word presence. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, 
because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Acts chapter 1, he ascended. They were gazing. He said, why stand you here gazing? They were reminded of the promise to go to Jerusalem and wait for his promise that he made here in John chapter 14. And while they were there, that 120 in that upper room, isn't it interesting that it was just 120? wasn't 12,000 or, or 12 million. It's just 120 people and the promise was fulfilled and the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind. And since the day of your salvation, you've never spent a day alone. You've never spent a night alone. You've never been through a valley alone. You've never been through a dark time alone. I'm thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 19. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Notice the comfort of perpetuity. I'm going to live forever. Brother Bob Jones sings with the guys here, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to die no never. Aren't you glad you have eternal life? perpetuity. Notice our position in verse number 20. Now I'm not going to give you every comfort in three chapters. I'm almost finished. Our position, look at verse number 20. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father and ye in me and I in you. Think about it. Dwelling inside us tonight is the Holy Spirit of God. Paul wrote and said, what? Know you not that your body is a temple of God? And he told us that the Spirit of God dwells in us. I don't want to take the Holy Spirit anywhere. I shouldn't take him. Ah, but listen to me. Greater than the Holy Spirit in me, I'm in the hand of the Father. I am in Christ and Christ in me. I'll give you one more. Look at verse 27. These comforts were given to the disciples. They were given to them at a turbulent time in history. And he said in verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. And it's interesting the note that he makes here. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it. Now that word let is several times in these chapters. That means naturally this is what it's going to do. But don't you let it do what it naturally does. You take my promise. You take my comfort a peace. And you hold on to that. Rather than let fear take hold on you. Stand with me tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the comforts that you gave to the disciples.